Would you remain standing kindly in honor of God's word as we go to our text from which my assignment comes today. Philippians chapter 4 in the New Testament beginning in verse 8 and Numbers chapter 13 in the Old Testament beginning in verse 21. Philippians 4 says, finally brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. Numbers chapter 13 verse 21 says, So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rohab, near the entrance of Hamah. And they went up through through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. They came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs. The place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. They departed, and they came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel, in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. By the way, it was gigantic fruit. That's why it took two men to carry it. So they're showing them this fruit. And then they told them and they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit, the gigantic fruit, the grapes. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And whenever I read that scripture, I think, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, lions and tigers and bears, right? Wizard of Oz. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, we're not able to go up against this people. They're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Today, as we continue in our series stay woke where we are talking about waking up our mind in order to experience the life that God has called us to live. I want to move on from why we should think right to what we should think on. From why to what. I want to move beyond the intricacies of what happens when you think this way or that way. And I want to begin to talk to you about what kinds of things should you be thinking on. Our scripture in Philippians chapter 4 says, think on these things. And if you summarize all the things, they're good things. And so today, if time permits, I want to get to the point where I give you some good things to think on. And I'm calling this message today, Giants, Grapes, and Grasshoppers. Giants, grapes, and grasshoppers. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to us? Would you make this sermon relevant and real? Would you help somebody today? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. When we come to Philippians chapter 4, we find what I consider to be a fairly abrasive 
text of scripture. Anybody ever come across a text of scripture that is abrasive, that makes you, that makes you want to push back, you know? Forgive those that do you wrong. Kind of makes you want to push back a little bit, right? Turn the other cheek. I'm like, yes, yeah, smack me on one face, one cheek, and see what happens. See if I'm going to go like this. You know, some scriptures are just abrasive, right? You know, instead of doing evil for evil, do good for evil. That, that's abrasive. Give 10% of all of your increase to God. That's abrasive, right? All these scriptures. And this verse to me is kind of like in that category a little bit. And the reason why it's in that category is because listen to it again. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, here it is, think on these things. And I'm like, yeah, easier said than done. I mean, you know, just, just stop thinking about all the bad stuff in life, right? You know, just stop thinking about the stuff that gives you, you know, worry or makes you anxious or gets you fearful and fretful, keeps you up late at night. Stop thinking about what somebody did to you. Stop thinking about what your boss did to you at work or your spouse did to you at home. Stop thinking about the bad thing that happened to you. Stop thinking about all the bad stuff and just think on good things, right? I'm like, yeah, right. But, but here's, but here's the good news. The good news is that we can't do anything about the thoughts that come into our mind, but we can do a lot about the things that we think on. And so I want to give you a, a couple of little things as a setup here, thoughts about your thoughts that, that will help you to, to get to a place where you can experience what God wants you to have in life. And the first thought about your thought is what I kind of just said, and that is you get to choose what you think on. You get to choose what you think on. We can't do anything. Somebody once told me this. You can't do anything about a bird flying over your head. Right? Birds do that all the time. But if a bird tried to build a nest in your hair, how many of you know you could do something about that, right? You could shoo the bird away. Well, it's kind of the same thing when it comes to your thoughts. You, you can't necessarily do, th- do anything about the kinds of thoughts that maybe come at you, but, but you can do something about thinking on those thoughts, having a conversation in your mind on a thought that is not productive. You can do something about meditating on a thought. You can do something about that thought becoming something that you think about so much that it becomes an imagination or even a vain imagination in your your life. You could do something about the thought that maybe produces a conversation in your mind that keeps you up at night, that, that, that makes you, you know, get sick and, and, and feel emotional and all of that kind of stuff. You can do something about that. We get to choose what we think on. That's why God says, think on these things. He's not saying, you know, you, you can control every thought that comes into your head, but he's saying, watch what you meditate on. Over and over in scripture, God encourages us and he tells us that there are some things that, that we have to meditate on, some things that we, we, we shouldn't meditate on, that we get to choose. One scripture you might remember from earlier in this series is Joshua chapter one, verse number eight. God tells Joshua, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of, and notice the, the, the pronouns here, your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success, right? And so what is God basically saying here? He's saying that a lot of what we experience in life is up to us. It's up to what we think about. It's up to what we choose to meditate on. You, 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 you need to choose the right stuff to meditate on and the wrong stuff to meditate on. And we found out prior in this series that what we think on ultimately becomes or shapes the experience that we have in life. It affects so much of what we go through. Um, one famous author who's an expert in this field, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, some of you know who she is. 
is. You may have heard me reference her throughout the series. She wrote a book, highly recommend the book. It's called Switch On Your Brain. Here's what she says. She says, choice is real and free will exists. Let me just stop there for a moment. This isn't her point, but I want to just emphasize. Sometimes we think that we are the victims of life. Ever, ever feel victimized by life? Life, life, just, life just happens to me. You know, that stuff just seems to, to find me all the time. I don't know why it doesn't find anybody else, but it just seems to have a magnet. It finds me. And we can be victimized by life. Like, you know, we don't have any, any control over outcomes and things. But notice what she says. This is an expert in the field of, of neuropsychology. She says choice is real and free will is real. And what she's trying to let us know is that we are not the victims of life, but indeed our choices are what shapes what we experience most in life. And the reason why this should get us fairly excited is because it lets us know that we have some control, not complete control because we know God controls, right? But, but we have some control over outcomes in our life. And if we'll make right choices, we'll have better outcomes. And even God tells us this in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, I lay before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. In other words, God's saying, I have this great big design and this great big world and this great big destiny for you. But in order for you to experience this great big design and this great big world and this great big destiny, the way that I've intended for you to live on this earth, you've got to make some proper choices. And one of the greatest choices that you can make to alter your destiny for the good is to choose to meditate on the right stuff. Notice what she goes on and says. She says, choice is real. Free will exists. You're able to stand outside of yourself, observe your own thinking, consult with God, and change the negative toxic thought or grow the healthy positive thought. When you do this, your brain responds with positive, with a positive neurochemical rush and structural changes that will improve your intellect, your health, and your peace. And you will experience soul Harmony. I love that. When you do that, your brain will respond by an increased intellect, health, and peace. When I read that, I was like, I don't have to stay stupid. And that good news, Legion Neighbors say, you don't have to stay stupid. It's okay. They won't, they won't get mad at you. Anyway, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how choice to meditate on the right stuff, the right thing, can have an impact even on our intelligence. Intelligence. And you say, well, how does that happen, Pastor? Well, think about this. When you meditate on the wrong things, like you meditate on stuff that gets you worried, stuff that gets you full of anxiety and fretful and so on and so forth, what happens to your ability to think? It gets, it gets clouded, right? You find yourself not even being able to make normal, simple decisions. You know, everything seems to overwhelm you. That has to do with the kinds of stuff that you're meditating on. It also impacts your health. Your blood pressure goes up. Your stress level goes up. When your blood pressure goes up and your stress level goes up and your sleep goes down, all of a sudden it begins to manifest itself in physical ways. All that is the result of our thought life. And research recently shows that 75 to 98% of all mental, physical, and behavioral illnesses come from our thought life and only 2 to 25% of all mental and physical illnesses come from the environment or our genes. That's what that means. How we think is making us sick. How we think is producing 
sickness, not only in our body, but in our environment and all around us. And so it's to this end that God is so concerned and gives us so much instruction in the word about how we are to think and the importance of thinking right thoughts. We get to choose the thoughts that we meditate on so much so that God even corroborates what science is finding out or the other way around. Science corroborates what God has said all along, right? Because it's not like God's trying to catch up with science, by the way. Anytime there is a deviation between science and God, I can promise you science hasn't caught up yet. That's facts, right? Absolute facts. For, for example, I, I shouldn't get into this, but I'm just going to throw like one little tidbit out. Can I, can I just ask you how you think a chaotic explosion can cause sophisticated order? Have you ever seen anything explode, explode and come down in orderly fashion? Anybody ever seen that happen? You know, throw, throw like an M80 into a stack of wood and it comes down like a house. Has that ever happened to anybody before? Anybody ever seen it? But yet, the, the, the world for years has told us that, that we are the result of random uncaused explosions. Uh, that's completely erroneous, even to scientific theology, right? Science would tell us that whatever is sophisticated creates sophistication. That explosions don't create order. That the only way an explosion could create order is if the explosion was caused or somebody was controlling the explosion, right? So science is finally catching up with what God has said all along when it comes to our thought lives. And so in the scripture, for example, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and 9, we find what I call the peace sandwich. Peace, by the way, anybody really want peace in your life? Older you get, the more you realize that, that peace is like a perfect gift, right? Uh, you can have all sorts of stuff. If you don't have peace, it's no good, right? You can have money. You don't have peace. You don't enjoy your money. You can have a family. You don't have peace. You don't enjoy your family. You can have a, a good job. You don't have peace. You don't enjoy the good job. I'm finding out that I'd rather have peace than a lot of other things in life. And here's the thing about peace. There's a prescription for peace. The prescription for peace is given to us in what I call the Philippians sandwich of peace. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and 9. We already read verse number 8. But verse 7 says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, think on all these things, right? Whichever things are good and pure and blah, blah, blah. All that, think on those things. And then verse 9 says, and the God of all peace will be with you. And so here's what we find out. We find out that the, 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 the thinking part produces the peace part. That, it, that it's, it's think, peace, think. Think, peace, think. That's how the scripture puts it. What the scripture is saying is that if you can get the right thoughts, if you can choose to meditate, meditate on the right stuff, it is possible to have a peace that passes all understanding. What is a peace that passes all understanding? It's a peace in your soul that says, you know what? Even though everything around me is a mess right now, I'm not a mess. I'm able to stand strong in the middle of what life is throwing out me because I know that God's on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? That God's going to take me through this thing. It is possible to have that type of peace. But we have to think the right way. And if we're going to think the right way, we have to realize that we get to choose what we think on. We all are exposed to good things and bad things in life. Not a person in here only exposed 
to good things. Everybody gets their share of the garbage things that happen in life also. But we have a choice. Which one are we going to focus on? It reminds me of a story I heard about a positive farmer and a negative farmer. The positive farmer, he was just so appreciative. They were good friends. He was so appreciative of everything that God would do. And so it would rain, and he'd say, thank you, Lord, for watering the crops so that we can have a, a bumper harvest, you know? And the negative farmer would say, yeah, but if it keeps raining, it's going to rot out the roots, and we're not going to have any harvest. And then the sub would come out, and the positive farmer, he would say, thank you, God, for the sun. It's given our plants and our crops the vitamins that it needs to, 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 to be healthy and, and for us to have a really nice harvest. And the, the negative farmer would say, yeah, but if the sun keeps beating down like this, it's going to scorch the roots and, and mess up the crops, and we're not not going to even be able to have a harvest. Well, they were really good friends, and one day they decide to go to go goose hunting. And so they, they get in their rowboat, you know, on the lake there, and he's got this new, the, the positive farmer's got this new hunting dog, and he's so proud of him, he wants to show him off. And so they go on the rowboat, and as soon as they get in the rowboat, this, this really nice goose kind of flies by, and, and the positive farmer shoots the goose down, it lands in the middle of the lake, and he says this to the negative farmer, he says, watch this, watch this, and the dog jumps out of the boat, he walks on the water, goes and picks up the goose, brings it back on top of the water, drops it in the middle of the boat, and the positive farmer is so excited, he said, what do you think about that? The negative farmer said, just what I thought, that dog can't even swim. (laughs) How many of you know you get to choose what you're going to focus on in life? You get to choose the little negatives or even sometimes the big negatives. Or you get to choose the good things. Back in the day, we used to sing a song in church, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your very blessings, see what God has done, right? You know, everybody has the opportunity to look around life and pick out all the stuff that is going wrong. And when you do that, it'll affect your mindset. When it affects your mindset, it'll affect your intellect, your health, your emotions, all that kind of stuff. But I think it's better to just be grateful for the things that are going right in life. You'll be surprised how many things are actually for you. You'll be surprised that there's actually more for you than there is against you in life. You need to choose what you're going to focus on. You get to do that. And so kind of as we come to our story, um, the story of the farmers reminds me of the story of the children of Israel as they, they go into the promised land. And, and God has you know, brought them out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And finally, God has this, this wonderful land that, that it's going to be theirs, this beautiful land, everything that they've always wanted, houses that they haven't built, land that they, they didn't pay for, fields for their kids to play in, wonderful fruit, grapes that are the size of, you know, basketballs. I mean, this is a blessed land in every way. It's a place of potential, a place of possibility. Can I encourage you? God wants good things for you. So many times we think that God is out to get us. God is, God's not out to get us. If you then, the Bible says, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask him, right? God wants us to have good things. So he has this promised land for them. And so Moses, you know, he leads them out of Egypt. He picks 12 of the best of the best, the, the cream of the crop, uh, the smartest, the brightest, you know, all of that. And he says, go into the promised land. They're on their way there, going through the wilderness. It's supposed to take 11 days. It takes 40 years. Not because they got lost. You're going to see in a minute. It's because they didn't develop their mindset. They got lost in the wilderness, stuck in the wilderness because they had a grasshopper mentality. Small mentality will always keep you stuck. And so they get these 12 and they're going to go and they're going to check it out. And so they go out there and they come back. They all saw the same stuff. Why? Because in life, the reality of the matter is we all get exposed to the same stuff. Some of us get it a little worse, some of us, but everybody gets exposed to the stuff. And they all see the same stuff and they come back and they're like, it's just like God said it was. The land is beautiful. It flows with milk and honey. Look at the size of these grapes. They're like basketballs. 
If you saw grapes the size of basketballs, you'd have to know God is up to something good, right? But they also saw giants in the land. They were big. They were, they were strong. They were, they were overgrown. And when they came back, the 12 had a choice. Were they going to focus on giants or grapes? Ten of them focused on the giants. When ten of them focused on the giants, they said, we can't do this. We can't take this land. I don't know why we've come this far, but we might as well go back now. It's impossible for us to go further in life. But two of them decided to focus on the giants. Two of them said, you know what? This is something that we can do because they focused. They chose to focus on the right stuff. Giants or grapes. Now, the scripture says in relation to the grapes that it took two men... To carry one cluster of grapes on a pole carried on their shoulders. The scripture doesn't say this, but guess who I believe those two men are? Anybody want to guess? By the way, wait, before you answer the question. The scripture tells us the name of all 12 spies. Anybody can name all 12 spies? Anybody? Scripture says so. Anybody can name at least two? Shout it out, two. It's amazing how you remember the names of the people who had the right mentality. Because people who have the right mentality change the world. People who have the right mentality change their circumstance, change their environment. People who have the wrong mentality, everybody forgets them because they never accomplish what God has designed them to accomplish. Here's what I believe about Joshua and Caleb. I believe that they had the right mentality because as everybody else walked back having a picture of giants in their brain, Joshua and Caleb were carrying the grapes and the whole time they were going, look at the size of these grapes. You've got to con- Convince yourself to choose the right stuff. And the way you do that is by exposing your mind to the right pictures when the enemy wants to show you the wrong pictures. When the enemy gives you a giant, pull out a grape. How do you do that, Pastor? Here's how you do it. Intentionality. So, you, you, you know, maybe you're struggling with something, whatever, whatever that str- something is. Go to the Bible. Find a promise, a grape. Find it and and keep it before your eyes all the time. How do I do that? Here's some of the things that I've done in my life at different stages. I put it on the mirror in my in my bathroom. I get up in the morning. First thing I do when I look in the mirror, even though I'm tempted to go, still looking pretty. First first thing I do is I look at that promise. Put it on your rearview mirror. You know, hang it as a tag on your rearview mirror. Put it on the screensaver of your computer. Put it on your phone. We look at our phone so much these days. Put it on your phone. You know, you can put it behind the picture of, you know, your bay or your bow or whoever else you got on there and stuff like that. Put, put your little, a little promise on there. Why? Because what you're doing is you're reminding yourself of the grapes so that when the giants try to get control of your mind, the giants can't win. We looked at it last week because what you expose your mind to most will be what your mind thinks about. You have the choice, giants or grapes. Which one are you going to stare at? Matter of fact, to help you out with this for just a moment, I want you to to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell him this. Those are some big grapes right there. No, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Don't. I didn't didn't think that one through. Um, That's not repeatable in church, okay? I'm I'm, I'm sorry about that. Second thing I want to give you, second thing I want to give you, okay? Second thought about your thought. Number two that you need to realize is what you think on determines your destiny. What you think on determines your destiny. I said it in passing, and maybe I didn't say it in passing, but there were only two of that entire generation that came out of Egypt that made it into the promised land. 
Others were born in the wilderness and raised up and they got into the promised land. But only two of the original generation made it into the promised land. Those two were Joshua and Caleb. Here's the thing that, that kind of baffling to me. God wanted all of them to go into the promised land. But only two got what God wanted for their life. Has anybody ever told you if God wants it for you, it will automatically happen? Wrong. There are so many things that God wants for us in our life that don't automatically happen, that require the right mindset. Because the right mindset determines our destiny. God wanted for every single person that came out of Egypt to get into the promised land. It was only supposed to take them 11 days. It wasn't supposed to take them 40 years. In 40 years, a lot of people can die in 40 years. But in 11 days, chances are that most people can make an 11 day trip. Why did it take them 40 years? It took them 40 years because their mind was not right. Think of everything that God did to get them out of Egypt. Think about what God went through. First of all, God you know, raises up this deliverer. His name is Moses. Not only does God raise up the deliverer, but God sends Moses into the palace of Pharaoh to be raised as the grandson of Pharaoh. Why? So that Moses would get inside information about how Egypt worked so that when it was time for God to use him to lead Israel out, Moses knew how to do it. Can I just take an aside here for a minute and let you know that some of the things that happen in your life that you don't understand are God giving you an inside look so that when God wants to use you to come on out or to bring somebody else out you've got some inside information so he he sends Moses behind the scenes Moses goes behind the scenes and then you all know the story sends him with the message let my people go Pharaoh says no God says okay let's try the plague thing sends down the 10 plagues Pharaoh says yes right this is God trying to get them out doing whatever he can to get them out they go to the Red Sea, they're before the Red Sea, and it looks like they're going to, you know, be caught. The Egyptian army decided to chase them down, change their mind, right? And, and all of a sudden, God parts the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground. They get to the other side. God closes the Red Sea. All of the Egyptian army drowns. I mean, why would God go through all of that if he only wanted two to make it into the promised land? God wants you to make it into your promised land. But only sometimes a few will because we don't get our minds right. And the reason why most of them never made it into the promised land is because they chose to meditate on the wrong stuff and develop the wrong mindset. Verse 33 says, there were giants in the land. Yeah, but there were also grapes. They said, they're giants in the land, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How did they know the giants saw them as grasshoppers? Did they have a conversation with the giants? Did they say, Mr. and Mrs. Giant, can you please tell us how you view us? They they could have said, we felt like grasshoppers, but they didn't know the giants felt that way. And here's what happens when you don't watch what's happening in your mind, when you don't stay woke in your mind, when you don't choose to, to think on the right things. You develop certain mindsets that begin to permeate through every aspect of your life. And all of a sudden you start thinking, this person thinks that way about you, and that person thinks that way about you, and you can't, and you're not good enough. And all of a sudden what happens is that mindset keeps you stuck in a wilderness instead of pushing you to the destiny that God has for you. And so think about the destiny God has for you and what God's gone through so that you can live the life he's designed for you to live. And everybody's designed on purpose. I like to say say it this way. Your existence is evidence that the world needs something that you possess. Because God is a designer. How many of you know what designers do? They think about the end result before they design. 
Did you know that about designers? Designers don't go, just let me just see what I can slop together. Oh, that looks pretty nice. No, what they do is they think about the end result, what they want the thing to accomplish, and then they build it to accomplish that thing. And so you're designed on purpose for a specific thing. There's a mission behind you. There's a purpose behind you. You have potential to fulfill your purpose. But in order for you to fulfill that purpose, you've got to get your mind right. And God has gone through all sorts of stuff. So that we can have the destiny he's designed us for. What's he done? He left heaven. He became a man. He didn't have to do that. It's almost like we feel like, well, God had to do that. No, he didn't. God was under no obligation. He became one of us. He walked in our shoes. He experienced everything that you and I experienced. All the pain, all the heartache, all the loss, all the stuff of life. He wasn't immune. He became part of our community. Then he went to our cross, took on himself our sin, died in our place, went to our hell, all so that you and I could be saved, have salvation, and live the life that he's designed us to live. But in order to experience that life, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It's been one of our scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world thinks. But be transformed, how? By the renewing, reprogramming, rewiring of your mind. Why? So that you can prove, better word would be experience, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, the onus on experiencing the will of God is not up to God. It's up to you. Did you get that? Are you still with me? Am I going too fast? The onus of experiencing the will of God is on you. God said, I want you to experience this good will, this acceptable will, this perfect will of God. But the only way that you can is if you transform your mind. You've got to change your thinking. Listen to me. New seasons require new mindsets. You cannot enter a new season of life without a proper mindset. If you try to enter a new season with an old mindset, you'll screw up the new season and be right back in where you came from and where God took you out of. In order to experience the destiny that God has for us, we've got to have a new mindset. Um, by the way, this is what happened to the children of Israel. They got delivered from Egypt, but as they were going to the promised land, their mind was stuck back in Egypt. And so they never made it there. Let me show you a couple of scriptures and we'll wrap this up. Numbers chapter 11, verse number 4. It says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and they said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. First of all, there's very few things on that list that most people crave. (laughs) Facts, right? I don't see pasta on that list. I don't see cannolis on that list. I don't see ice cream on that list. Heck, come on, be honest with me. Has anybody ever gone, oh, I got a hankering for a leak? Anybody ever do that? I'm jonesing for a leak. I got to go home and have some leaks. That's not happen, right? So something's up here. Their mind is bugging out because they are remembering fondly a place of bondage. They didn't eat fish anytime they wanted to in Egypt. Uh-uh. 
They didn't have like, they made it sound like, like they had waiters and waitresses in Egypt who were just coming over to them go, hey, can I serve you? What kind of fish would you like today? How should I prepare your vegetables for you? That's not what was happening in Egypt. In Egypt, their backs were being whipped. In Egypt, their, their women were being raped. In Egypt, their kids were being killed. It wasn't a good time in Egypt, but what was happening was they were trying to go to a better place. And whenever you try to go to a better place, the enemy will always try to drag up your former mindset because you can't go into the promised land with an Egyptian mindset. New seasons. New mindsets. Watch this over and over again. This happens. Check it out. Numbers chapter 20 verse number 2 says, Now there was no water for the congregation so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and the people contended with Moses and spoke saying, If only we had died when our brothers died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up from the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? Now hold on a second. They're blaming Moses for what they don't have when Moses, through God of course, is the one that delivered them from the bondage that they were in. Can I just tell you something about people? People will change on you. Like that. Okay, can I tell you something about people? People are always about what's in it for me. You could do something for somebody for 10 years straight. In the 11th year, you don't do it. And guess what? Change. That's why you don't base your life on people. Remember, you live for an audience of one. There's only one person that you have to please every single day of your life, and that's Jesus. And here's the good thing about him. Even if you don't please him, he loves you anyway. Said Moses, what have you done to us? Why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring up to this evil place? Is it, this is not a place of grain or figs or vine or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. Moses, what are they doing? They're remembering Egypt in a wrong way. They're overestimating what Egypt was. Why? Because the enemy wants to get them to think where they were was better than where they're going. How many of you know there's always a fight when you're going from one place to the next? When you're going from one season to the next, one dimension to the next, one former place to a better place. There's always a fight. And here's where the fight is. The fight is in your mind. You've got to have some mind reset. You've got to have some mind evolution. If your mind doesn't wake up and evolve, you will always stay stuck. New seasons require new mindsets. Matter of fact... Um, some of you are stuck right now, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, simply because your mind has not evolved. For example, you're married, but you still have a, mind, a single mindset. You're married, but you still have a single mindset. What I mean by that? You think it's your money. You think this is your money, that's their money, this is my bank account, that's your bank account. You think these are my bills, those are your bills. You think, I don't have to tell you where I am all of the time. Why are you sweating me like that? When I come home, I'll let you know that I'm home. Then you'll know I'm there. Why I got to report to you all the time? Why I got to tell you I'm here? Why I got to tell you I'm there? Don't you know it's okay for me to go hang out with the boys whenever I want, even if I haven't seen you all week? And if I want some girl time, you better not say nothing about it. You're married, but you have a single mindset. 
And you want to know why your marriage is in trouble because your mind has not yet evolved to the next place in life. And if your mind doesn't evolve to the next place in life, you will not have success in that next place. How about this one? Some of you are grown, but you still have a college mindset. So what are you talking about, Pastor? Where are we going to drink tonight? Where are we going to party tonight? It's amazing to me how I get around grown people. And they're talking about getting together. And you know what the, the big thing is? Who's bringing what kind of alcohol? You grown. <laughs> that, that, that's what it's about. Like, you know, who's going to bring this? And who's going to bring that? You know, what bar are we going to go to? How, how late are we going to stay up? Let's trade in partying for, for getting prepared for work the next day. It doesn't matter if I stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning and show up a little bit late. Then I can show up a little bit late and they better give me a raise. You grown. But you still have a college mindset. And you want to know why you cannot transition into a place where you quote unquote, even though this shouldn't be the goal, have the American dream because you're still acting like a kid and you're grown. It's time to grow up. Or you're a boss and you're still acting like an employee. You've been promoted to a place of management and you see that as easier work. Huh? That ain't easier work. You're still packing up at 5 to 5. It always, it always drives me crazy when people are packing up before 5. Because that means you've been watching the clock. That means you ain't been busy enough. 5 o'clock ought to sneak up on you if you have a boss mentality. You ought to realize you are in it. You are giving it everything you got. You are working hard. There is no such thing about showing up late, leaving early, not doing a good job, making mistakes, and getting a bigger paycheck. Who told you? Your mentality hasn't evolved. Or you're, you're a Christian, you still have an unbeliever's mindset. Are you going there, Pastor? Yeah. <laughs> My conduct doesn't matter. God loves me anyway. If, if, if I could fit it in, I'll be in church this week. Because God is cool and he's convenient. Oh, yeah. I'm going there. <laughs> the, the point, really, of church and life is so I could be happy. I believe God wants us happy. I believe that. But I don't think that's God's highest objective. God wants us saved. God wants us on our way to heaven. God, God wants us for the long term healthy, right? And, and, and if that means our happiness gets in the way for a season, so be it. Now, I believe ultimately you need to have both. You need to have, have what God wants for your life and happiness. And I believe that if you change your mind, you can have both. But some people, that's their motivation. My motivation is to just amass as much wealth as I can. I believe God wants you wealthy, but I don't believe that should be your agenda. Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added on to you. You're, you're, you're a Christian, but you still have an unbeliever's mindset. I don't know if I really want to go there on that one, because the Lord just told me to prompt me a couple of things. You're, you're a believer. You think racism's okay. You're a believer. You think abortion's okay. Uh-oh. You're a believer. And you think that marriage is not supposed to be between a man and a woman. You're a believer, but you have an unbeliever's mindset. And you wonder why your relationship 
with God is not going to the next level because new seasons call for new levels of destiny in your life. You've got to change your mindset. What should your mind be like? Your mind should be like it should be reprogrammed by the word of God, by what God says is right and wrong, and it should lead you, and it should guide you. The mind goes where God wants it to go if you allow it to. Watch this. Even Moses, by the way, guess what? He didn't make it into the promised land, not because he was disobedient, but because his mind wasn't ready for the promised land. Let me, let me give you this and we'll close. That's my second closing. I normally don't have more than one. <laughs> Numbers chapter 20, verse 7 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, Gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. This is when they're all complaining. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock twice. With his rod. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He said, because you didn't believe me. To hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. Listen to me. What Moses did worked. But his mind wasn't woke. What Moses did worked. In the wilderness, but his mind wasn't woke for the promised land. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Notice what God said. He said, take the rod, but speak to the rock. Now, this is, this is confusing to me because why would God want him to bring the rod along if he didn't want him to use the rod? Here's the reason why. Because God had to get Moses out of the rod mentality, which is what brought them out of Egypt, but what would not bring them into the promised land. See, it was by the rod that God delivered them. Remember when they were up against the Red Sea? What did God say to Moses? He said, stick your rod out and I'll part the land. But they were not going to need the rod anymore. And Moses started to have faith in the rod and no longer had faith in the rock who is Jesus and God said what you use to get you out of Egypt is not what's going to work when you get into the promised land remember what happened with Joshua he faces the Jordan River and guess what God said he said this time I'm not going to part it before you step in this time you got to step in and then I'll part it And he said, I'm not going to ask you to wave a rod over it. I'm just going to ask you to step out in faith. What was God doing? God was saying, listen, this is a whole new level. So it requires a whole new mentality. Your rod mentality will not get you into your promised land. You've got to change. You've got to wake up your mind. You've got to develop a new mindset in order to experience the destiny that God has for you. Moses didn't go because he couldn't make the shift. God wants to take you places. Make the shift. Make the shift. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that you're going to have to work hard. You know, we like to, we like to use religion as like, you know, a, a scapegoat and an easy fallback that, you know, just do whatever you want and everything will always work out. You've got you to put the principles into practice. 
And here's what I believe that God wants for you. I believe that if you'll change your mindset, God will walk you into your promised land. We come to the New Testament. I promise this is my last scripture. I promise, I promise, I promise. <laughs> the New Testament is, is the newest season possible. It, it's, it's a transition from the old way to the new way. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. From, from the law to grace. Ever meet Christians that live underneath the law? They, they, they'll talk about stuff and they'll say, well, they'll bring up Old Testament scriptures like, well, this is what God did and that's how God does it. And this, is what, this proves that this is the way God is. Can I tell you something? That was law. We have evolved. We have come to a place of grace where God is no longer trying to show us that we can't on our own. But now God has already shown us that on our own we can't. And what he's done is he's given us Jesus. So he no longer operates based on to-dos and to-don'ts. He now operates on this system of grace. We have the scripture says a new covenant established on better promises. We're not dealing with commandments. We're dealing with a blood covenant signed and sealed by the blood of Jesus. Get woke and come into the New Testament. We come into the New Testament. And God, knowing this, says, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I don't understand it all. He said, but, but this one thing I do. Interesting. I want, he said, if you missed everything, he said, I just want to give you one thing. This, this one thing I do. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead he said i press toward the goal for the prize for the up for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus therefore let us as many as be mature watch this have this mind he said here's the thing if i'm gonna get to what God has ahead of me. What I've got to do is I've got to drop what's happened behind me. I can't think like I used to think. I can't stay stuck in my old thought patterns. I can't be backward thinking. I've got to be forward thinking. And this is the key to maturing in Christ. Is having this mind. And he said, he said this and he said, and if any one of you thinks otherwise. In other words, if you leave here going, man, everything that guy said was just... He said, God will reveal it to you. What he's saying is this. Here's the key to walking in your destiny. It's having your mind woke, renewed, changed, so that you can experience everything that God has designed for you. Amen. Would you stand on your feet?